Thank you for joining this Energy Intelligence Podcast. I'm Ian Nathan, here with my colleague, Abhi Rajendran, and we're with Energy Intelligence's Research and Advisory Group. This afternoon, we're discussing the U.S. path to becoming an energy superpower and what we expect to be challenges along the way. Now, we've been watching the oil industry, you know, really work to turn a corner following the worst downturn in decades, and the U.S. has been and continues to be a key component of this equation. So, you know, let's just start, uh, you know, with this question. Uh, isn't it arguable that the U.S. oil revival has already given the country uh, its energy superpower status? Thanks, Ian. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, where the U.S. stands right now is already the third largest producer of oil and one of the largest supply sources of gas. Um, already an incumbent petrochemical industry, refining industry. So in some senses, the U.S. is already there as a, as a, as a key player kind of across the energy landscape worldwide. But, you know, looking ahead, you know, one of the, the key pieces that we're looking at is how nascent some of these industries have been in terms of opening up to the you know to the global markets. You know, we just started exporting our oil a few years ago. We just started exporting our gas, you know, a year or two ago. Um, petrochemicals and refining obviously have been more mature businesses, but but again, you know, there's there's been a an, uh, a feedstock driven petrochemical renaissance that's going to continue over the next couple of years. So in the global context, you know, we think North America is already large, but becoming a true global superpower, we think it's sort of lost its status over the last decade or two and is just scratching the surface of getting back there. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's interesting. You know, one in five companies in the energy intelligence top 100 uh, is now a, a U.S.-focused independent. Uh, and these companies are, are growing and advancing in the rankings uh, due to their U.S. shale, uh, oil, and gas production and reserves uh, growth. Uh, you know, now this by no means diminishes the importance of larger oil companies, the super majors, NOCs, and the like. Uh, but this dramatic shift in activity to the U.S., uh, you know, led by these smaller players, you know, really represents a generational industry movement. Yeah, I agree. You know, and this is, you know, one of the, the, the key areas that, that we're focused on. Um, you know, shale is still going through a renaissance in, in, in some, some aspects from a productivity and from a technical perspective. And, you know, for some of these smaller players that are still learning the ropes and, and coming up the, the, the curve, you know, they, they still have a lot to do and, and a lot of wood to chop. And, you know, and that's where we do a lot of work in, in, in our group in terms of helping our clients understand the U.S. shale patch. You know, where is it productive? You know, where is there more work to do? Um, and then kind of looking beyond, the, you know, the, just the, the upstream aspect of it. You know, where do we need more by way of infrastructure and midstream to get the hydrocarbons to where they need to go? Um, how does the, the export dynamic evolve to truly be able to serve the global market, whether we're talking about oil, gas, petrochemicals, um, really all of the above. And, and, and so it really to kind of help navigate all these developments in an aggregate integrated way um, is, is, is how we're looking at, 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 at our approach to serving clients. And, and that brings up an interesting 
an interesting question. You know, one of the things that uh, has become, you know, really evident over the years, uh, uh, you know, maybe over the last decade, is how it's really been to this point. The U.S. has made these these advancements, uh, and I, I suspect, and 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 I and I think you do as well, um, that a lot of folks overseas, uh, you know, are really trying to, uh, you know, to really get a handle on those success factors. I mean, I remember back. Uh, it must be 2010, uh, where a lot of the discussion really revolved around the replication of the shale revolution, the U.S. shale revolution elsewhere. Um, and aside from some success in places like Argentina and, and China to a certain extent, um, it really hasn't materialized. And 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 I, I think what you're uh, what you're really getting at, what you're suggesting, is that uh, you know the way we're we're looking at uh, the U.S. Uh, shell patch and the value chain is something that will be particularly useful along these lines. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it took really you know, 10 to 15 years for, for the shale revolution to fully sort of unleash itself. Um, and, and, and to your point, places like China, Russia, um, the Middle East increasingly you know, have started to and have been for some time studying the technical aspects of, of shale development. Um, but it really takes time. Uh, and I think, you know, the, the U.S. has pushed the curve pretty significantly in this regard. Um, it's being replicated in some places like Argentina. Um, but I think in terms of actually mattering to the market and being able to deliver volumes to not just the domestic market but the global market, it's clear that the U.S. is way ahead of the curve. And as much as we want to talk about shale reserve as shale reserves as large and great and vast as they may be in other parts of the world they really are going to take some time to um, define their way to actually usable applications yeah absolutely um you know our work uh here in the in the rna group has uh you know has been focusing on on many key u.s centric areas uh you know, we've been looking closely at shale's role in corporate fault corporate portfolios and growth strategy, uh, particularly in the context of outspending and gearing and, and cash flow coverage challenges. Um, we've also been, you know, looking at expectations for the uh, price sensitivity of shale oil growth, um, in addition to uh, topics such as the prospects for U.S. lower 48 uh, LNG exports. Absolutely. You know, for us, the integrated approach to understanding all these moving pieces is, is critical. Um, and that's linking oil field services to the upstream. That's linking midstream back to the upstream. Um, that's linking the downstream with the midstream. And then all the you know connected areas in between that eventually get us to the end consumer or to the export markets to, to, to the global consumer. I mean, for us, this you know this integrated approach to looking at it is is is, is really critical. Um, you know, just for example, if we if we see some step change in how frac density affects a certain basin, you know, the approach that we have is we can very quickly filter that all the way down the value chain in terms of you know which upstream companies are impacted, where we see midstream choke points and um, and, and, and pinch points, um, and and where we see downstream additions that you know that could that could benefit 
um, or maybe impacted by by something uh, happening so far away from um, you know from those respective areas in in the value chain, and and you you mentioned the work that we're doing in our research advisory group, um, you know the the North America Value Chain Service that that we just kicked off. Really, this is the approach of 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 the service, which is to look at the picture from a holistic uh, approach. And then even to link it to critical aspects like policy and politics and how those come in to play and impact, you know, those specific parts of the chain and then the chain as a whole um, as we continue on with this renaissance. And, and this gets to, to the challenge, uh, or the challenges, I should say, um, of the U.S. Uh, path to being an energy superpower. So it's uh, on the way, but not, not just yet. And, uh, and what we're talking about here is really uh, a lot of these issues on that value chain that uh, are potentially uh, prohibitive um, of, uh, of that path basically being as smooth as, as perhaps anticipated by, by many folks. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I would just highlight how this plays out in, you know, three critical aspects of the value chain. I think first, the upstream part of it, you know, our view... Um, and I think this is this is widely known in the market is that shale is growing currently at a very rapid pace, both for oil and gas. Uh, we'll continue on for the next couple of years, but you know we see several different factors that sort of limit the ceiling or the upside to how quickly that growth can 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 pan out. We think there's a, a financial um, an investment community aspect to that where investors really are tightening the screws um, with these companies, um, making them prioritize returns, cash flows over over growth. Um, we think there are logistical and infrastructure related constraints that, that, that also prevent this. For example, in the Permian, which is really you know, where you, know, you see the hotbed of activity for oil and associated gas increasingly, we're seeing issues like trucking, like electricity, um, you know, just, just connecting the simple dots that you would need to get the molecules out of the ground. Um, and then increasingly, you know, out to the, you know, to the end markets and demand centers. Um, so we think there are, you know, natural built-in mechanisms that'll prevent shale from becoming a runaway mechanism, as some continue to fear it, it, it is. Um, and as it proved to be a couple of years ago, which is what sort of led us into the oil downturn. So on the upstream side, we think there are bumps and bruises along the way um, for the market to um, to work through. The second one I would highlight is midstream. You know, sure. I think the, you know our view is that the midstream sector is one of the most financially, I would even call it distressed sectors um, still out there. I think. Upstream companies, to a large degree, have sorted sorted out their their cash flow neutrality problem, or will pretty soon over the next couple of years. I think the midstream sector is still very far from doing this, and you know I think part of the way this this sorts itself out is this big dividend burden that the that the sector carries. In my view, you know that's something that has to be addressed before the midstream sector really 
is is able to help participate and facilitate um, in this renaissance. You know, just in 2020 into 2021 alone, we see fairly sizable Permian uh, midstream infrastructure constraints um, that will, you know, unless they are resolved, is going to end up being a choke point for for the Permian's growth. Um, just as a you know, as, as as a key example, and the third one I would highlight to your to your question is is downstream. You know, the the last wave of projects that were sanctioned, um, you know, and let me use petrochemicals and LNG as two examples, had a fairly simple path because we were at a hundred dollar oil, three dollar gas. That ratio made it very simple for the economics for these projects to 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 get sanctioned. You know, now well we're still at three dollars or or lower gas, um, but we're at well now we're at seventy five dollar oil. But the curve, you know, kind of comes back to sixty dollar oil, and those economics are a little bit more challenging um, for projects and companies to get financing and, and and move ahead. So ultimately, you know, we we see a lot of supply coming online and and we do believe that the supply will ultimately match with demand um, but it we, we think it won't be quite as easy as it was for the last wave um, and, and the last time around you know and and you know th- those are some of the uh, I think some of the key observations um, you know that we're uh, we, we've, we've come up with in in the North American value chain service um, is there anything else that uh, I mean? I'm I'm thinking that one of the things that uh, that keeps coming up is, uh, particularly for shell producers, uh, you know, is the growing attention to uh, to spending discipline um, and the value over volumes mantra, which we we keep hearing again and again uh, every day. Um, is there anything else uh, in addition to that that you might want to highlight? Um, you know, at this point, uh, in terms of of the key observations, we're yeah. So the one thing I would I would add to it is we touched on it earlier, which was politics and policy. Sure. Um, you know, I think that's a critical aspect of it that that's often ignored, um, especially with this administration, where you know there are a lot of moving pieces um, that impact upstream activity levels, that impact um, midstream sector plans, that impact exports, which are which are key in our view. And, and those get brought into a broader context of trade. There are a lot of moving pieces on, on, on the trade side. Um, and, you know, I think the politics and policy, policy aspect to it, you know, we, we covered this closely from research and advisory. But, you know, the one thing I would kind of close the conversation with is, is our bigger picture energy intelligence platform. Um, and, and how valuable that is to us as we do our work because we have a team of over 75 folks globally focused on all different parts of, of the value chain. Um, and that's outside of our research advisory team. That's on the information services side and the data side um, of, of, of our firm platform. And to us, you know, it, it, it's critical to have these resources in-house and giving us primary sources of information to putting our methodology and our analysis and our thought process together um, in, in, in evaluating the U.S. and North America and, and how it links to the world and all the big global themes that we're seeing as well. Uh, that's uh, that's great. And, you know, it's exciting exciting time in the industry and it's exciting for us uh, as, as well. Uh, never a dull moment, uh, you know, in the U.S. shell patch for sure. Well, it looks like we're out of time. 
For more information on the North America Value Chain Service and the work we're doing in the Research and Advisory Group, go to energyintel.com. In the meantime, watch for future discussions on important industry issues. Thanks for listening.